Love it. Uh, I'm just going to share for a little bit uh, for tonight. No, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to share with us uh, for a little bit tonight, uh, just just a few minutes here. And I want to just uh, kind of take us um, a little deeper into understanding this idea of Christ being Emmanuel. Uh, you know, we have in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 23, it says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. And my guess is you've heard that, you've sung it in songs, we've talked about it, even alluded to it a couple times tonight, but most people don't know where that came from. They don't know why that term is important. Uh, or even the context of how it was originally spoken. And so, you know, at, at Christmas, we're used to talking about three kings, but I want to talk to you tonight about three different kings that maybe you're not as familiar with. And the first king is a king named Uzziah, and he was a king of Judah. And Uzziah started off as a pretty good king, but he got fairly arrogant. And as the head of the state, he decided to go into the church and actually perform the priestly duties that was unlawful for him to perform because he wasn't a priest. As such, he was stricken with leprosy, and he spent the rest of his reign really living isolated by himself, essentially out of his mind. His son, Jotham, came up behind him. He was actually a pretty good king. The Bible says that he did not remove sort of the high places, the places of worship for the pagan gods. But aside from that, he followed the Lord and did what was right. During his reign, there were two groups that kind of rose up against Judah. And, and Jotham passed away right as this was taking place. And then his son was a king by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz was not a good king. Ahaz was wicked. Ahaz actually eventually went on to sacrifice his own son. And I want to take us back to this passage in Isaiah chapter 7 with King Ahaz, this third king that I've referenced, a wicked king, because this is where the prophet Isaiah for the first time speaks the word, Emmanuel, God with us. And so I want to take us here today. So we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, this took place during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Aram's king, Rezin, and Israel's king, Pekah, son of Ramaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. So these two kings, Rezin and Pekah, come against Jerusalem. They're not able to conquer it, but we see in this next verse, it says, when it became known to the house of David that Aram had, uh, had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, even the, I mean, in the big scheme of things, these two kings were nothing. They were small potatoes. I mean, it, was, it, it would be like, you know, the United States, you know, you know, being worried about, you know, Guam and Puerto Rico rising up against, you know, America. I mean, it might be a bad day, but we got this covered. And these kings were coming against Ahaz, but it says that something happened. It says, in his heart and the hearts of the people, they trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. So at that moment, the Lord calls the prophet Isaiah and he comes to Ahaz, 
Now, interesting enough, the, Isaiah was around during the reign of Jotham, but we have almost nothing that he said during that time because he didn't have to prophesy against Jotham that often. But here we have during the reign of Ahaz, Isaiah has to go to work. And he says, go out with your son, Shir Hazub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the Lorinder's field and say to him, calm down and be quiet. Basically relax over these two guys. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, the son of Remelia. For Aram, uh, um, along with Ephraim and the son of Remelah, has plotted harm against you. They say, let us go up against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for, its, for ourselves. And then we can install uh, uh, Tabal's son as king in it. And this is what the Lord God says, it will not happen. It will not occur. The chief city of Aram is Damascus. The chief uh, of, of Damascus is Rezin. And he goes on prophesying. He says, and finally, in verse 9, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. And then in verse 10, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, ask for a sign from the Lord your God, and it can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. I mean, who, who wants kind of that opportunity? I mean, world peace? Lord, you show me world peace and I'll believe you. Cure cancer, God, and I'll trust you. And here Ahaz has the moment of a lifetime where the prophet comes to him and says, ask for whatever you want right here, and I will demonstrate, the Lord will demonstrate that to you, and you will see that his word is good about these two other kings that you don't have to worry. And King Ahaz, who was wicked to the core, kind of puffs himself up in religious you know, piety, and he says, ask for a sign. I cannot ask for a sign. I can't test the Lord. Sounds spiritual on the surface. God didn't think so, so much though. Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try to, the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin or woman, this word means the same thing, will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And by the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he'll be eating curds and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned, and the Lord will bring on you, your people, and your father's house such a time as has never been since Ephraim separated Judah, and he will bring the king of Assyria." Now, this story goes on really over the next couple chapters. But here's what I want to point out. As, as Isaiah comes to Ahaz and he gives him an opportunity to really have the Lord prove to him that he can rely on him and trust him, that he's with him. Even So here's the amazing thing. There was nothing about Ahaz that God should have been with him. But Ahaz was the son of Jotham, who was the son of Uzziah, who was, who was all the way back to David. And he was faithful, despite Ahaz not being faithful, God was still faithful to his people. Ahaz had the opportunity to have the Lord prove this to him. He rejects it. And, and what appears to be rejecting it out of some sort of, you know, kind of, you know, a, a sort of reverence for God. Oh, I could never test the Lord. What was actually happening behind the scenes is Ahaz was already making a deal with the king of Assyria to come and protect him against these two other kings. 
He didn't want to mess that up by getting God involved in the, in the proposition. And so what happens is Isaiah brings to him, he actually in the whole story brings to him three different children. And as we read in the story, we know that the first one and the third one are actually Isaiah's own kids. We think the second one is too. And it's the second one that he brings to him. And he says, I'm going to bring a child to you that's going to be born. And this word, it can mean virgin or woman. And the New Testament writers took it and, and demonstrated that Isaiah was both prophesying to Ahaz about his own child coming to, uh, uh, or prophesying about Isaiah, about his own child coming to Ahaz and being a sign unto him. And also simultaneously as, as, as foreshadowing the Christ that was to come. We see this a lot of times in the, in the uh, prophetic passages. And so Isaiah brings this, he comes to him and he says, there's going to be a sign unto you. There's going to be a child named Emmanuel, God with us. And by time he's old enough to know what is right or wrong, essentially, you know, as to put it in modern, you know, kind of Jewish terms that you would understand, by time his bar mitzvah comes along, he's, you know, 12 years old, when he's old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, those two kings that you're worried about, they're not even going to have kingdoms anymore. And Assyria is going to come up against you. And this is exactly what happened in the story. The king of Assyria came up. He wiped out these two other kings for Ahaz. And then he took over Ahaz's kingdom. See, Ahaz had the opportunity to trust in God with us or the opportunity to trust in the powers of this world. So I want to fast forward this here for a second, and I want to jump back to Matthew chapter 1. And what we see here in verse 18, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Essentially, Joseph, as king of his own house, had an army coming against him. He he, uh, he, he assumed. And it was, the, it was the army of the mob of public opinion. And this army, he was afraid that they were closing in fast when he found out that his wife, who he had never been intimate with, was all of a sudden pregnant. And so he made plans his own way. He was already putting plans in motion to be able to take care of this problem. This goes on. It says, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. This is really the story of two men. Essentially with the same problem. One man was a king that was afraid of two armies that were coming against him. 
And God told him, don't worry, I will be with you. I will do as I have promised. I will make sure that this will not be a problem for you. And if you will trust me, I'll take you someplace. I will deliver you. And then we have the story of another man who wasn't a king, really as far as we know, didn't didn't have a lot of sustenance or substance to his name. But he had something else that he was afraid of. He was afraid of being humiliated when his wife was found to be pregnant before they were married. And he was afraid of being with a woman who was pregnant before he had been intimate with her. And these two things were enough to produce trepidation and fear in him to the point to like the first man, he was already beginning to make plans to take care of it on his own. First man had a prophet come to him and tell him, don't be afraid, trust the Lord. The second man had an angel come to him in his dream and said, don't be afraid, but trust the Lord. The first man rebelled, the second man obeyed. The first man was destroyed. The second man is revered to this day. And I want to encourage you that really the thing in which allowed Joseph, I believe, to to trust the Lord in this situation that did not, uh, or that really in some ways prevented Ahaz from trusting the Lord, is the fact that Joseph it actually resonated with him that he understood what it meant, Emmanuel, God with us. When he heard those words, when, he, when, when that struck a chord in him, it produced a trust in the Lord that he's with me, he'll never forsake me, I'm gonna trust his plan even if I don't understand it. And as a result, we continue to celebrate that decision and as a result, the birth of Christ to this day. And I believe that that essentially is the choice before every single one of us, really every single day of our lives. That we have the opportunity to trust ourselves, to make our own plans, to start working little side deals under the table, you know, from God to, to get things to happen the way that we want them to. Or we can say, Lord, I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand it. When the world's going crazy, when everything around me is just seems like it could fall apart at any second, I'm going to trust you through this situation. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? I'm going to invite up my uh, father to share with us actually for a minute here, and I'm going to pray as he comes. Father, thank you. Lord, we just worship you tonight. We thank you, Jesus, as we read in this account you, you came to save us from our sins. We rejoice in you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for being faithful to us, Lord, even when we don't deserve it. And we celebrate your birth tonight, Jesus. And really this entire season, without which, Lord, we would be lost forever. It's in your name. Amen.